Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In our spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The word will come today and set you on a path of prosperity in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said the word will come and bring productivity into your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Alright, the book of John chapter, sorry, the book of Luke chapter 7 is where we are going to start from again today. Uh, this was the Lord Jesus Christ describing what his ministry was about. And he said in verse um, 18, well, the disciples of John told John something and then he sent some people to him. That's in verse 18. That he took some, he asked two of his disciples to go and meet Jesus Christ and ask a few questions. And they were supposed to ask, are you the one we're expecting or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? In verse 21, at that, point, at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, that is now he's responding to the people that, sent, um, that John sent to him. He said, go and tell John, what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. That is, the blind receive sight. Let me just use this translation. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. Now the poor have the gospel preached to them. I want to just stop reading there. It said the poor have the gospel preached to them. Last time I began to teach on this um, series that we are in now, and the aim is to explain that Jesus actually breaks poverty out of the lives of his people. Did I hear an amen? amen. Now, why did I read this one about uh, the poor having the gospel preached? I want to just emphasize to us that contrary to what we think sometimes, wealth or abundance is not instantaneous. That was why Jesus didn't do it this way. That is, it could give people sight suddenly. It could make the lame walk all of a sudden. But he said when it comes to delivering people from poverty, what you need to do is to preach to them. He says, speak peaceably to Jerusalem. The person must hear the right words. It's very important. Sometimes, please, I, I, pardon me sometimes if I appear critical, all right? But just that we have to set things straight. Sometimes we preachers will preach this way. That you send an offering and God will you know, do something uh, uh, dramatic in your life and something terrible is going to happen. And you see people rushing forward because they think an offering, they will say, will break the back of poverty. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. 
I'm sorry, but I just have to say the way it is. Many of those things are not spoken because the people believe that's how they work. They are spoken because it helps them or they help us gather resources for the work of the ministry. Let's even assume that we're not being covetous. We're not being um, self-seeking. We want to do something noble. Usually it's to help people gather to do that noble thing. It is hardly ever, as a matter of fact, it is hardly ever aimed at the people who are giving. You hear what I said? The aim is hardly ever the people who are giving. The aim is usually what they are giving to. And that is why we often hear things like, do that quickly. Go to the phone right now. Right now. It has to be now. And then offers are made that if you do that, within a few days, God will do something drastic for you. Now, does he ever work? Yes, sometimes it does. But let me tell you the truth. It's always temporal. It solves an immediate problem. When God works miracles, when God does something um, dramatic financially, it usually solves an immediate problem for you. Do you follow my point? You know, there's something one man of God said. I don't want to mention his name because um, I don't like the rest of his messages. And, you know, I've listened to many of his messages, just one that I like. So like I was saying, the aim is for what we are trying to gather resources for. They really don't work like that. Does, does God does, does he do things like that once in a while? Yes, he does. And when God gives you a financial miracle, read through that in scripture, it's really temporal. It solves an immediate problem. Do you understand my point? Like uh, the widow of um, Zarephath. Elijah came to her house, and the, the food lasted till the famine was over. Do you get my point? As soon as the famine ended, whatever be the regular supply of resources, she had to go back to that. You, you are getting my point. Let's take manna that used to fall from heaven. Manna used to last for just one day. You got the food in the morning and in the evening, and it didn't last till the next day. Every day you had to come, collect enough resources for one day. And on the day before, the days before Sabbath, it could, you could gather more, and then that would last for two days, you understand? So, so that you don't, have, you don't have to come out to work on Sabbath. But manna was not a way of having plenty. Manna was just to keep you throughout the wilderness until you get into the promised land. As soon as you get into the promised land, you know what you are going to experience? Manna will cease, number one. Then seed time and harvest will take effect. You'll have to start planting. You'll have to start agri- proper agriculture. You'll have to weed your crop. That is the weed. You have to take care of the weeds. You have to nurture your crops, nurture your animals, take care of things. And then God, will, in that process, also give you abundance. There's a process. There's a process. So uh, sometimes when I see Christians rushing, and you see people going from church to church, looking for where the prosperity anointing is flowing, again, it's a waste of time. God can bring prosperity anointing into anybody's home. You don't have to be a member of a particular church. Are you getting my point? You don't have to be. You don't run up and down looking for where somebody will give you an anointing to prosper all of a sudden. Once I went somewhere to preach, I want young man. I was just talking about the keys of the kingdom, principles by which Christians should work. And I said something, I can't remember exactly what I said, but that I said there were keys that control prosperity. The man that came to me was one of the people attending to me. I was a guest, you know. So he wanted to ask me a question. So I, um, I said, go ahead. He said, those keys I said about prosperity, can I just give him two of them? He specifically asked for two. Why I asked for two, I don't know. But I just want you to know, if I give you two, it will not work. If there are six, you must collect the six. 
I don't know whether you're getting my point. But when he asked for two, I gave him two. The two most basic. One of them was that he had to be patient. You can be sure he didn't like that one. He didn't come to ask him for the key for patience. He wanted something he would do. And within a few weeks, a few months, he would be, you know, he would be riding in abundance. But unfortunately, I told him it doesn't work like that. Key number one is patience. What I'm going to say is that people want to take things in a hurry. And we easily fall prey. And you see, most of the false doctrines that go around these days have to do with money. Most of the times that people get defrauded of their money, most of the time they want to make money suddenly. Let me quickly say this to you. Quick gain is a sin. To desire it is evil. Don't even want it. If somebody gives you a scheme by which, listen, by tomorrow you're a millionaire, say that I'm not interested. Say why? Say I don't want to be a millionaire tomorrow. I want, you can set me on the path of millions, but I don't want it tomorrow. What I'm telling you is a matter of fact. Most of the time, they, you know, they catch people and, and scam people of their money. It's always because you get something quick. If somebody is not putting you into a path of a process, just know it's not helping you. If a minister is telling you, I will lay hands on you and tomorrow you'll be rich, don't collect that lien on of hands. You don't need it. It's not necessary. It's going to be unfortunate for you if you collect it. You don't need it. Jesus said the poor have the gospel preached to them. Do you know why? He has to change the way they reason. He has to change the way they think. He has to change the principles by which they live. He has to turn them into what I call true givers. Now, I'm talking about givers. Now, not as in people who give offerings alone, but who, who have learned to give all round. That is, if you are getting into a business, and I'm going to talk about it along the line. In fact, I told myself that I might get into it today, but let me just see how it goes, all right? You must be a constant giver. That is, if you are going into a business, the first thing you think of, what am I going to be giving to people? If you cannot think about it, forget it. If the only th- and that's, you know, all over the world is known. This was uh, statistics in the United States. Nine out of ten businesses fail within the first five years. Of the surviving ones, nine out of ten will fail in the following five years. Which means out of a hundred businesses, only one will survive into the tenth year. The question is why? There are many reasons. One of them I have found out is that most people go into those businesses primarily to get money. First of all, listen, I'm a, I teach spiritual things. I don't teach business principles primarily. If you see me teaching business principles, it is derived out of spiritual understanding. So what I want to talk about is not subject to discussion. It's a prophetic word. Don't argue with me. Either before me, don't send me an email for discussion. You can ask me questions, I will answer you. Because I'm not discussing economics. I'm not discussing statistics. If you see me going to those things, I'm just using them to illustrate points. When I bring my wisdom, like Elihu, he said, I will draw my wisdom from afar, from above. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. I'm not here to discuss um, Warren Buffett, or Bill Gates, or IMF, or World Bank. Anything I'm saying is derived from the word of God. That is why I'm not willing to discuss it. If you want to discuss scripture, it's different. Because sometimes when you want to talk, people I want to argue with you. The illustration I use you know, in that area is this. Many years ago, when there was a proliferation of banks all over the country, every business needs staff. That's number one, you, you understand? For most businesses, number one thing is personnel. No matter how good what you are doing is, you don't have people, that, I mean, you're on your own. So, of course, when it's a, a small bank will open, the best way to get good staff is to go to 
the other banks. And the only way you get the people there to come over is to offer them something better than what they have. So the old generation banks, the first banks and the union banks and co, were basically training grounds for young people to get into the new generation banks. And I observed something that time. And the fact that human beings demonstrated a lot of unfaithfulness, they were unreliable. They take a job today, they train them after a, a, a year, they suddenly they want to leave. So they began to bond people. Of course, when you bond them, is it bond or bind? You try to bind them with a bond. <laughs> they even had ways of buying themselves out of the bonds. And the people asking for them will willingly you know, supply the funds if they really want the fellow. Now, this is where I'm going. I observed it. I was in Lagos too, and I was observing everybody. So I told them, this is wrong. This is unfaithfulness. And two people, I remember, they argued with me. And I don't understand why Christians can't argue based on scripture. They have to argue based on gain. I'll show you something along, along the line. David said that God, keep me away from the love of gain. If you use my Bible, you use the word dishonest gain. But David did not use the word dishonest. What he said is gain in Psalm 119. Yeah, that, 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 let me just really read out to you verse um, 36. He said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. Now, if you have my version, you say, and not to dishonest gain. But if you look at that dishonest, it's in italics, which, which means that it was supplied by the translators to try and convey something. But I noticed that what David actually said literally is that, I don't, don't incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. It's crucial. Forget the word whether it's honest or dishonest for a moment. The important thing that what is pushing you is it gain. So I said to people then, this is you are doing is simply unfaithfulness. You're undependable, you're unreliable. I argued with two young Christians, I remember very well. And both of them were vehement in their arguments. That is the quickest way to move forward. I, I couldn't understand. You don't seem to be understanding me here. I am not talking about what you will gain. I am talking about what is right and what is wrong. Somebody gives you a job today. He trains you, trains you, expecting you to give him something. Then by the time you are qualified to serve him, you resign. To you, you don't think something is wrong with it? Do you know, I couldn't get them to get my point. Why? I'm sorry. Because their hearts were inclined to gain. Not to God's testimonies. I've noticed something about human beings when they're arguing, and the argument is unreasonable. Eh? I'm learning it these days. Stop arguing. Two plus two is five. Ah, excuse me, sir. One plus one, two. Another one plus another one, two. Two plus two, the fellow says five. Ah, excuse me. Before, I used to argue. But no, many years ago, I learned. Once an adult starts arguing with you that two plus two is equal to five, don't argue. He knows it is four. But there's a fifth one he's hidden somewhere. He cannot disclose it to you. So the two plus two must be equal to five. And that's why people are often unreasonable. What am, what am I going to say? You explain the principle of faithfulness. But because the heart of the Christian is inclined to gain, he can't get your point. I remember, I can see their faces, two people, at different times. It was just a burden in my heart. Because you see your friend today. Where are you? I'm working in um, Kingdom World Bank. You understand my point? Okay. Six months later, you see, over half a house working. How's, how's Kingdom World Bank people? No, I left them three months ago. Ah, but you got the job a month before I saw you then. Ah, I said, well, don't move on. They, I was an officer too. They have gotten another group that gave me officer one. 
Eh, uh-huh, okay. See the guy three months later. How far with the new bank? Maybe the new one is called um, um, the Catholic Bank of Nigeria. I'm just looking for church names. So you, you understand? See, ah, I've, I've left those people. Where am I? I'm on the Anglican International Bank. Ah, waiting now. Ah, here I'm an assistant manager. After a while, I got tired. So you are what they call a rolling stone. Yo, you know the truth? You know those things backfired on most of them after a while. Because the day the bank started collapsing, and they started downsizing, and they started consolidating, it was those rolling stones that they were kicking off. Now, it's not even whether it happened like that. Well, even if they prospered and became MDs today, it's not the point. The point is that we are talking scripture. Eli who said, I will draw my wisdom from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. And that's what I'm emphasizing to people. Please, I am not discussing economics. That, if you want to do, and that's one thing churches should be careful of. When we come, to, if you want to learn economics and other principles, you can go to what, what do you call this? The business schools. There are many. But when I stand here to speak to you, people of God, I'm giving you divine wisdom. I'm not guaranteeing you it will make you money. I'm just saying it is the right thing to do. I've seen many people go to church. To learn how to be rich, they did not give their lives to Christ. Don't listen to me, you'll become poor. Did you hear what I said? The little you thought you had, the Lord will take it from you. I'm talking to believers. People went to church and didn't give their lives to Christ. So if a church is doing a lot of motivational speaking, I saw a church one day in Lagos. I sat for a long time. I said, is it? Well, I didn't know it was Lagos. Beautiful church, very beautiful. I was watching on TV. When that the pastor finished preaching, my wife and I were watching. I said, is this Nigeria? She said, yes. That I recognize the name. I look closer. I can't see the name, the Nigerian name. I don't know how long I was there watching the program. But if the name of Jesus was mentioned once, maybe at the closing prayer. It was all about customer service. Networking. How to brand your business on a Sunday morning. Bros. If that's your revelation, I don't know. I can't catch it. I, I won't come to church to teach you the same thing that they can teach you easily in what in, in a business school. No. What I'm discussing, what I'm speaking is the word of God. And let me tell you something about the word of God. It's not always reasonable. Unless you have been converted to his reason, it will be unreasonable to you. It will tell you to make decisions. Let me give you a few examples. I mean, not about my life, but people that we all know. What's this man's name? Um, Strive Masiwa. Strive was going for arbitration. And suddenly, last minute, they discovered a document that was going to make everything go against them. In summary, he told his men, disclose it. Sir, this will hurt us. We have no choice. It is the truth. Why did he release the document? He said, first, the rule of arbitration is that there must be full disclosure, number one. Number two, I happen to know this is the truth. I believe we are right. I believe we are swing rightly. But based on my principles as a believer, I cannot hide this. When the opponent saw the document, he said till today, he doesn't, when he was writing that, he doesn't know what happened. They withdrew from the case, apologized to him, apologized to the arbitration panel, and offered to pay everything he asked for. It was confusing, simply because I've just given you a document that will make things go against me. 
Then why are you pulling out? You understand? I thought you would sit on it and say, yes, we knew we were right. You know what he thought? He began to reason. He said, maybe, now, maybe, we don't know. He said, maybe, what they thought was that for him to be so bold as to drop that, he must have other things up his sleeve. So he said, let them run away first before this guy comes. They just felt that, and then maybe now, I want to add my own to it, maybe there's something else they had that would have gone against them too, which he is not aware of. They just assumed for him to have brought this, he must be aware of it. So they quickly pulled, pulled out. But why did he go in there? Simply because it was his Christian duty to do that. That's one story, I've shared it here before. And that one I've shared here before is that of um, Algie Lutonu. Lutonu went into a business with a church, <laughs> with a brother in church. They went to construction, be there for a job. He had his relatives working for him. His reason, which is a, funny enough, a lot of us these days is a problem. But for him, it was a good thing. This is when you have relatives working for you. They are the ones that give you problems. Have you noticed? Because you can't sack them. Your grandfather will call the two of you. He's your cousin. What do you want him to do? But the guy doesn't come to work all the time. He's the least productive. And you want to continue paying him? And you want the business to survive? They are some of Nigeria's big industrialists. I've forgotten which one. one of the, if, I tell you, if you know about Nigerian industry, if you mention... If I tell you mention names, it's one of the f- top five you will mention, not the younger ones, the older ones. Okay, if I tell you the old ones, I mean, not the Dangotes and co. People fasten to Dangote and co. They said they asked him, your experience in industry in Nigeria, what's the greatest challenge? <laughs> he said, dealing with disciplining staff without the whole village coming to you. That is like, somebody airs. People don't look at the thing he did wrong. It is, please now. The, the, the traditional, the upper of your village will come. The, the, the governor will write you a letter. Emir will talk to you. Nobody's addressing that this guy just tried to defraud the company. Anyway, let me now get away from my gist. So, Lutonu used to use his relatives. His own reason was that because they were close to him, he could share his burdens with them. If things are rough and there's no money, he will tell them, please, there's no money now. Can we hold on? And they won't press him for their wages. So he found it very convenient. They worked for him conscientiously. So he brought them onto the business. But the business was just bad. And that's just the way life is. Sometimes business will be bad. There's one that Robert Kiyosaki said. He said, there are many poor people that have never lost a dime. He said, but he has never met a rich man that has not lost money. <laughs> Did you hear that? Because in, in doing business, sometimes business goes bad. So that one went bad for them. So his business partner decided that the reason it went bad was because his relatives were working on the business. Why it, was go- it wasn't fully bad, it was just going bad. So he said, no problem. If my relatives are a problem, I will withdraw them from the job. So he withdrew all his relatives. And at that point in time, it was a joint venture. He had his own company, the other guy had his own company. They were just doing this job together. At that point, he got another job somewhere. And said, okay, all of you moved and go and be doing the other one. So they had new staff to replace them. And this job finished, and they made no money, but they just managed to break even, but there was no Money made, really. It just was not such a good one. But the other one, he, the relatives went to work on, made money. And his partner found out. And came to him and said, I heard they made money on the other job. He said, I thank God. He said, since we were in a, we were in a partnership at that time, 
and you took our staff to go there. Are you getting that? Suddenly it's our staff now. The people you did not want. They say, I think I, de- I deserve a share of that um, profit. Let <laughs> to know, look at him like, is that supposed to be a joke? He said, in fact, I'm supposed to collect 50%. Oh. So otherwise, I'll sue. So that one said, sue. We have all the facts, we'll go to court. As soon as he left, you know, there are things that the devil can't tell you. He just had it clearly inside his heart. Give him the money. No, I'm not giving him. The voice was strong. Give him the money. It was the Holy Spirit. So he turned to the brother. He told him, okay, come. I'll give you the money. And that one foolishly collected it. There are things you should not collect. Such monies, you don't collect it. Even if you are dying, it's better to die. Or go to the Rogo and beg, beg for food, but don't collect it. This man, again, typical of him, full disclosure. That guy couldn't be sure of how much he made. He disclosed everything. How much of it do you want? The guy told him. He wrote him a check, gave him the, all the money. That is, gave him half of it. Now, why am I telling these stories? These are not the kind of principles you learn in Lagos Business School. Harvard Business School will not teach you this. We are operating spiritual principles here. That's why I don't want anybody, because why I said what I said at the beginning, it's not because I'm, I'm, I know too much and I don't want people to disagree with me. It's just that I know people, they want to start quoting Wall Street for you, uh, Nigerian Stock Exchange. I'm trying to argue with the points you are making. Meanwhile, you are making a spiritual point. They are bringing forth worldly and carnal points and they think you should reason on the same frequency. What did Lotono get out of that? I don't know. He prospered. It's probably one of the reasons he prospered. We don't know. But he obeyed his spirit. But what did the other man get out of it? In two years, he was totally wiped out of business. Totally, he did not recover. And so the man who obeyed God, we don't know whether God multiplied the money, but one thing we know for sure is that he obeyed. What am I saying? Please. I just felt like dropping that. I am teaching spiritual principles. I'm teaching godliness. I'm teaching obedience to the spirit of God. I'm teaching the power of Christ. Grace is what I'm teaching. It doesn't belong in common sense realms. A professor of business studies in Harvard can't sit with me on this and argue. I won't listen to him. Because the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. Only the spiritual can descend them. How do you interpret dreams if you have a PhD from Harvard? And your name is Joseph. But they can take the son of a shepherd hanging around, you know, the grasslands who was kidnapped as a little boy sold into slavery and was in prison. And you can bring him into the presence of Pharaoh and he will tell you what the magicians of the land, the professors of the land couldn't understand. He interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and made Pharaoh very, very wealthy. When we are speaking, we are not speaking to common people. We are speaking to the, to the spiritual. People who are ready to receive the grace of Christ Jesus. Please, very important I clarify that. People are ready to receive the grace of Christ Jesus. So, I will say some things that won't make any sense. For example, don't you know, give a man who you could win any time a case against in court. Give him the money he's asking for. That doesn't make any sense. 
But there are things you do that will, you know, two people can defend you. I will choose one. The law can defend you. God can defend you. I've seen God defend people. I like that one. If only we can have faith. <laughs> Along the line, we'll talk about things like that. I, I pray I remember. You know, there's a court in heaven. It sits over the affairs of mankind. I pray Christians learn how to take their matter to that court. And just by the way, if you have a dispute with another believer, go to brethren first. And if you will not listen, the brethren will take you to that court. And please, if they take you to that court, repent before the ma- God hears the matter. Repent. Too. Anybody telling you that God is kind does not judge is lying to you. If God goes against your business, you know, you can't hide from EFCC. You can't hide from God. He knows everything. You don't want him to be against you. What am I going to emphasize all of these things? Please, let's get it, it clear. We are learning divine precepts. We are learning divine principles. Having learned those precepts and principles, grace is able to flow into our lives. Christians don't succeed by chance. Listen to me. One of these I've understood. Every, if you, if I, if after this meeting, you dash me 100 naira, you know, 100 naira. It's not a lot of money in today's Nigeria. Because we have international people, let me just keep on giving international value, right? Right now, that will be about a quarter of a dollar on direct conversion. But what I call, I always like to supply the purchasing power parity. That will be maybe about a dollar or a little less. So it's not a lot of money. But do you understand? I see that money and I tell God, thank you for it. Because I know each hundred naira like that is signed and sent to me. So if it doesn't get to me, it was not sent to me. And if you decide to steal my hundred naira, there will be another way by which it will come. You will be judged for stealing my money, but you can't deny me my money. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Why? Because my resources are spiritually supplied. I pray Christians understand that. What am I trying to explain? That we are talking about how to tap into grace. I just feel like saying this. I'm not discussing common sense with anybody. If you're not a believer and you're listening to this, please put it off. It's not your own. I will say things that make no sense. Why? I'm dealing with the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to natural people. Along the line, we'll talk about the priestly corner of life. In which a man will shut the business down sometimes at the time he's supposed to be most lucrative. You just know, we are going on break. Why? It's our sabbatical. It's about Sabbath. We may not be doing Sabbath the way Jews do it, but everybody must observe Sabbath. It's, I mean, that's part of Christianity. There's money you will spend which does not make any business sense. Why? You're operating spiritual principles. Let me tell you something about Israel as a nation, the way they used to be when God, under the old covenant. Some of their laws, you know the law of tithing Christians talk about? Go and study tithing very well under the Old Testament. It's a very complicated law. People have done all kinds of calculations. I think the last I heard of it, it, it came to about between 20 and 30% of what you end ended up being given as tithes. The 10% people calculate is not really, you know, the, the one they talk about, you understand? If you check it, you know, we talk about 10% a lot. The one we talk about most, most of the time, it's not even their, it's, not, it's not an annual one, like a third year. But when you check the amount of offerings and code they're supposed to give, those guys used to spend a lot of money let me use the word wastefully. But it was a priestly corner of their lives. 
the way God designed their land, it was supposed to be farmed every for six years. The seventh year, you don't farm it. Leave it fallow. Seventh year, nothing. Six days of the week you walk. On the seventh day, you don't do anything. The only things they were allowed to do from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ was emergencies. Your sheep falls into a ditch. You can bring it out. That's what Jesus explained to us. Otherwise, you don't cook. You cook the day before. You don't kindle a fire. That was the principle. You don't cook. Nobody went to work. As at now, that doesn't make too much sense. If you're obs- In China, they don't have a sun. They don't have that kind of thing. Everybody goes to work every day. And many of us behave like that. We work every day. Just by the way, if you are working every day, you never have a break. It's a sin. What did I say? It's a sin. Just again, by the way. That's why I tell business people, put off your phone at night. Don't say they may call me anytime. If it's like that, God is not blessing you. It's vain to rise up early and go to bed late. Put off your phone. At a certain time, record them. What do you call it? Voice notes. Thank you. That place, as long as they go, please, we are not available right now. Call back from 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. What if they don't call back? Your blessing is commanded. It's not a game of chance. The federal has gone somewhere else. You are not the only one that they will bless. You are aware of that? Yes. Other people must eat. You think you collect all the business in town? So Israel had all those kind of laws. Naturally speaking, they didn't make sense. So people have tried to show how those things made sense, how it was the wisest way to live. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. The reason why they did what they did was because of the commandment of God. And the way they were going to be blessed was because God was going to supply grace for blessing. Not because what they were doing made a lot of sense. I mean, how would that decide whether it rained or did not rain? How would not taking the tithe to the storehouse decide whether it will rain or did not rain? How will not build, how will building a temple or not building a temple decide whether it will rain or it will not rain? There's no economics about that. There's no logical way to tie it. But the people were going to succeed by the grace of God. And when for decades they did not observe the seventh year Sabbath, God sent them into exile for 70 years. He said so that the land will enjoy its Sabbaths. Please, I'm explaining something. Christians succeed by grace, not by common sense. Let me say that again. Christians succeed how? Grace. Not by common sense. And the emphasis is that if you are succeeding by grace, you know I said something, like, was, was it two weeks ago? That faith, of course, you know the way grace works. It says it has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with what? With grace. That is, there must be things you are doing that your faith is making you do. And like I said, faith has sacrifices. There are businesses you look at. It makes money. You say, I don't like it. Why? I don't like what they sell. That is why no matter... Now, before I used to have problems trying to judge it. But now, I can tell you clearly. Hmm? No matter how much you are making, you shouldn't work for a company that is selling cigarettes. Because the only thing they are selling is poison. Somebody wants to log out. You cannot work for a company you don't believe in their products. It's not, a, it's not a work of grace. Talking to a brother once. We were talking about shares. This, comp- this, this particular company, he said, their shares, if I buy it, I'll make money. He said, but I don't like their money. I think it's stolen money. That they steal from their customers. You will not share to the shareholders. He said, why do I want that kind of money? If you ever watch Shark Tank, 
That's one thing I don't like about Kevin O'Leary. Because he'll say to you, all that matters is money. I say, it's not true, sir. It's not true. It's not true. It's not all that matters. Does it make money? Does it make money? As, as believers, we look at the business we are doing. If we cannot see, you know, I, I went to all of this, you know, starting with, I was trying to say something. That we are converted into givers. Remember I said that? And that giving is not just taking an offering and giving somebody. Just that somebody money or going to church to put that offering basket. Being a giver is an all-round thing. That if you are thinking about a business, the first thing you think about is, what am I going to be giving to somebody? Giving your services, giving your time, that is what you are paid for. Unlike ministry, where you give things like now, what kingdom what is given is the knowledge of God. Filling the earth with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the seas. So we are trying to teach people, but we can't charge. Now, charging is not wrong in itself. It's just that it's not the pattern of the ministry of the word. Did you get what I said? There's nothing wrong with charging. Each business has a pattern. Ministry, I hope you know it's business. What do I mean by business? It's not money. Business doesn't mean you are making money. It just means you are getting things done. Ministry in that sense, therefore, is business. It's productive. It's putting something into the lives of people. But we don't check the progress of ministry by counting the amount of money that's made. It's just a pattern. We check the progress of ministry by the amount of lives we are impacting. Are you getting my point? That we're impacting. Then also, we don't charge for our services. We have a principle. Freely you have received. Eh? Freely give. Then we also turn the principle to those who are receiving. <laughs> Which is what? Freely you have received. Freely also give. There's no burden. There's no compulsion. It's, like Paul said, God loves what? A cheerful giver. That is a pattern for what? Ministry. It's not the pattern for selling petrol. Why? I did not receive crude freely. Neither did I build refinery freely. Nor did trucks carry freely. <laughs> for that reason, we set a price. And since you did not receive it freely, you don't have to give freely. We set our price. It doesn't mean it is wrong. It's just what? The pattern is a pattern. It is a pattern. Again, just by the way, everything you want to do, determine the pattern from the beginning. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You can't be running a restaurant like a, like a church. People will eat your food, you go, you go broke. He said, no, what, anything you like, give us. Ah. It's not a problem. I bring my wife and children. We'll sit down, we'll eat. Anything we'll have, we'll give you 2,000. Well, what we have eaten? After a few days, you will close. The pattern of running a restaurant is not the same pattern as running a ministry. I hope you're getting my point. You understand? So whatever you are doing, you must understand the pattern. But let me get back to the point I'm make. So being a cheerful giver doesn't necessarily mean I'm just handing everything out free of charge. But it definitely means that when I want to start something, the first thing that comes to my mind is that what am I going to be giving? So everything has a pattern. But whatever be your pattern, giving must be your first assignment. Let me give you an example. Ministry. There are those who think that because the pattern of ministry is free, give, free giving. So they must go and locate their ministry where people are very prosperous. So you see, they are not thinking first of, about giving. What are they thinking of first of, about? Receiving. That's bad ministry. That's wrong ministry. They're not checking where, where are we needed the most. 
They are checking where can we receive the most. And that is one pattern that Christians must be careful of. No matter what you do, what you will gain must not be the first thing you check. Please, I'm explaining something here. So you see, we are using spiritual principles. I'm not hoping that I will give you 10 steps that anybody can use. Whatever we are discussing, if you are not a believer, it doesn't apply to you. Because part of our, our method of doing things as Christians is that sometimes we lay down our lives. Many times we put our Isaacs on the altar. Look at it the other day. Um, I wrote a story inside our little book, The Mark of the Beast. How many of you have a version Bible? The Bible app? Yeah, wave your hand if you have it. I have it on my phone. Almost everybody here. Even those who didn't wave their hands, they have it. They just don't know what it is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now, the version Bible app has been downloaded. I, 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 I don't have the figures here, but it's that they have, anyway, the, the Bible is, um, Available, they have many versions, over a thousand different languages. Okay? So let me not give wrong um, distance anyway. anyway. The point about this is a very, very popular uh, Bible um, app. Hundreds of millions of it have been downloaded all over the world. But it's free, totally free. They don't sell anything, they don't run adverts. The only advert they run is for you to read more Bible. They advertise um, Bible reading plans, suggest Bible verses, but they don't sell any, they don't make any money. But somebody pays for it, you know that. The man who pays, what is his name? David Green, his family pays. He's a billionaire. He owns Hobby Lobby. When Barack Obama decided to do Obamacare, the man, I think, I think at that time it was worth between two and four billion dollars. I can't remember that, but what what billions of dollars? In fact, the time my wife and I went to the U.S., my wife looked for the shop. No, my wife is different from me. <laughs> she looked for Hobby Lobby to buy something. <laughs> she went to Chick Fil A to buy something. I went to buy some. Souvenirs from Hobby Lobby, just because she loved the two men. Now, Hobby Lobby under Obama, Obama's um, health care plan said that every employer must fund, partly fund health care for their staff. And that includes compulsory contraception and abortion. Affordable Care Act of Barack Obama. Hobby Lobby said, no, we're not going to pay. We are Christians, we don't believe in abortion. And if they did not do it. You know they are fine. Hobby Lobby's fine, based on their size and the number of staff they had, was coming to about $450 million a year. Basically, the company will go down. David Green said, no, we are not paying. We will not, that is, listen to me. He was ready to shut the company down than fund what his faith was against. So you know what he did? I watched his video. He gathered his family and the friends. They began to pray. They said, this will not stand. They went to court. They lost. He said, we'll go and appeal. They went to appeal. They won. That was the first time I realized that somebody can appeal his own judgment. That is, you won a case in appeal. He appealed the appeal, even though he won, to the Supreme Court. He said, no, let's settle it once and for all. That was the principle. We have to settle this once and for all. And the day Supreme Court was going to rule, he sat and the family, they were fasting and praying. And you know how he won? Five, four. Nine justices ruled. Five said, you are right. Four said, you are wrong. Do you know what was going to happen if he had lost? He was going to close Hobby Lobby down. Say, we are sorry. We will not fund what is against our faith. Now, that's Christianity I'm talking about. 
The man said, we build this thing by grace. How can we begin the spirit and perfect in the flesh? Listen, there are times as believers, we put Isaac down. Put Isaac on the, on the altar. You must understand. See, Isaac has a spirit. There's a spirit called Isaac. Isaac is not that flesh. That 30-something-year-old man that was sacrificed. That's not Isaac. There is something inside him that is Isaac. Isaac is a promise of God. Isaac is the laughter that God placed on the mouth of Sarah and the mouth of Abraham. Isaac is the faithfulness of God. That flesh, the Bible says that to each seed, it gives a flesh. That's the way it works. So the seed is what I've just described. That flesh you saw was, was just the, 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 the flesh was the, was the container for the seed. What is the point I'm making? That seed can't die. Let Barack Obama kill the seed of Hobby Lobby. When it will germinate, maybe the next generation, it will be worth 10 times the one you killed. That is what believers understand. For that reason, we preserve the seed, not the flesh. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That is why when it is necessary, we slaughter Isaac. Why? Because your knife can't touch the neck of the seed. The spirit that is called Isaac can't die. Nobody can kill it. So that is why Christians, we lay down things. We put Isaac on the altar. So, if the rules go against the business, and we can't continue because of persecution and all of that, yeah, we shut it down. We will pray. We will pray and pray. If at the end of the day, it doesn't work, we close it down. Why? What we are fighting for is the seed, not the flesh. What we are fighting for, look, listen, that's how it works. Everything has a seed. Have you ever seen mangoes before? Mango. The one you eat is what? The flesh. Inside is a smaller part of it called what? The seed. What Christians fight for is a seed. What the world can see is the flesh. We are forbidden as believers to fight for the flesh. We fight for the seed. The Lord of the seed will speak words to prevent the flesh from dying. I hope you get my point. That is, when Abraham was about to slaughter the flesh, God spoke and said no. God spoke to American Supreme Court. When Hobby Lobby, that David Green's family said, we will preserve the seed, God spoke to the court. Let the flesh live. So when we are doing this as believers, is the seed we are, we, are go- we are going for? Is the seed we are going for? Is the seed we are going for? That is, he said, fight the good fight of what? Faith. He said, content for the faith that was first delivered, not content for the company. Do you get what I'm saying? For, that's, you get what I'm saying as we go on. That's why everything we start as believers, start with the, the dream of the seed, not the dream of the flesh. Most people have a flesh idea that we make money. What am I going to contribute to the society? They don't know. They don't know. Please, I'm talking about how we operate with spiritual principles. A few years ago, one an American university, I think Harvard, one of them, I can't remember which of them, they, they voted for the greatest entrepreneurs of the previous century. The greatest female entrepreneur was voted as um, Mary Kay Ash. The greatest male entrepreneur was v- voted as um, Henry Ford of the previous 100 years. Now, why do I want to talk about the two of them? I want to explain a principle that those two people represented. I found it in news material. Just talk about it in news materials. 
And I happen to have read a bit about both parties. I read the book, Miracles Happened by Mary Kay Ash. I have the book, My Life and Work by Henry Ford. So I know about both parties. So when I read that analysis that they were voted to be the greatest female entrepreneur and male entrepreneur respectively of the previous century, I was impressed because both of them had one thing in common. In both cases, they did not care as much about the flesh as they cared about the seed. Henry Ford said, the success of the Ford Motor Company is not about the machines that bear the name Ford. Now we see Ford everywhere. Ford Taurus, Ford Focus, Ford um, Edge, all kind of Ford, you know, Explorer, Expedition. There are Fords all over the place. And they have the, you know, the Lincoln Group. You know, the, I think they do Lincoln, right? They are luxury range. Okay, I think they also do the Lincoln. All right? All over the place. The man, okay, this was years ago. They didn't have all of that at that time. But the car was very successful. I even heard at the point in time he made it to be the richest man in the world. When I found out, I was surprised. But the man said it's not about the company. It's not about the machines that bear the name for That that was not the aim. That his aim was to prove to people that the way of doing business that they were engaged in was wrong. And that there was a better way to do it. That was all he wanted to do. He said the way you are doing business is not correct. There's a better way to do it. So I will do it and show it to you. Henry Ford is the reason why you buy a car now. They give you three-year warranty. In fact, now in many countries, they've increased to five-year uh, five warranty. Sometimes they give as much as 200,000 kilometers, whichever one comes earlier. For some of their top ranges, they will give you 200,000 kilometers, five-year warranty. We are sure the car is good. Don't worry, use it. If anything goes wrong, bring it back to us. We'll fix it. For new cars, worldwide, 100 kilometers and three years warranty is standard. Who started it in Ford? That I'm aware of. You know his reason? Very funny. He said, your name is not on the car. My name is. <laughs> I don't know whether you get the point. That if you drive your car and pack it, they know who made it. They don't know who owns it. That for that reason, the car represents my integrity, not yours. So if it breaks down, it's my fault, not your fault. That was it. So I'm defending my integrity. Say so you are carrying my name everywhere you go. For that reason, he engineered the car to last. He was the reason why they had service centers all over the place. The man said, ah, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Why should people who work earn so little? He more than doubled the minimum wage in his factory. People said, listen, you are going to run, run us out of business. He said, listen, if you pay the man well, he works better. And then for goodness sake, get more out of him. Rather than pay him little, make him do little. Pay him more, get, make him do more. Then everybody gets richer. So he invented, where well, they said he did not invent it, but he perfected the assembly line system. They literally would get a whole car ready in a few minutes. From scratch. So the company did very well. Oh, he fought a lot of battles. Fought a lot of battles. But the point I'm making is this. Not trying to talk too much about Harry Ford now, but to bring out an issue from it. That all he wanted to do was to present the seed. So for him, when the company did that well, he said, this was what I was telling you people. He said, every man should be able to get a job. That you don't have to be so intelligent to have a job. Once you can move, we should have a job for you. So he broke the jobs down so that anybody could do them. They, do you know, they actually used to insult him that he's turning men to robots. The man said, no, they were robots before they met me. <laughs> but I gave them a job so that now, robot or no robot, the man earns enough money 
to take care of his family, to live in a decent house, and to buy the car he's working on. Because it can make you do one job that your job is just take this one, screw it, drop it, take it, screw it. But in a day, say you are going to take and screw 500. But don't worry, the bolt will come to you, the knot will come to you, the screwdriver will come to you, what you're supposed to screw will come to you. We just give you your spot. So the assembly line will just come there. Everything is rolling in front of you. Your job is just pick, pick, fix, fix, fix. At the end of the day, you get a decent pay. He said for him, the company's success was proof that what he has always been saying was correct. Can you see what I call seed and flesh? The ideas, the thoughts in his mind, which I believe were birthed by the Holy Spirit, given to him by the Spirit of God. That was a seed. And you'll understand this in life. Life will always come to try and remove the seed. That is what the world, that is what Satan tries to do. And the assignment God has given you is to protect the seed, not the flesh. God gives the flesh. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you light a lamp, you will will put it where? On the lampstand. Not under a bushel. You put it on top of the bushel, on top of a lampstand. Do you get my point? Now, who lies the lamp? No, who, who lies the lamp? There's no catch to it. Who's lighting the lamp? Is it hard? Please, whoever is bold, who's look, who God will prosper, answer me. Who is lighting the lamp? Thank you. There's no catch to it. People are afraid to fail. This is how they go for exam. The, it's very terrible. The things they know. They'll be whispering, hoping you say, yeah, you're right, you're right. I have one habit. When I'm doing all right, it's for students. If you whisper from now to tomorrow, I'm not going to answer you. There's no catch to it. Who lights the lamp? I, the owner of the lamp. Thank you. Who puts it on the lampstand? Does the lamp light itself? Does it put itself on the lampstand? If God gives you a vision and an idea, whose duty is it to light, to put it on the lampstand? Somebody say, I. God gave you. Who lit your lamp? Somebody say, I. <laughs> Try and pay attention when we are preaching. The Lord will bless you. Let me go by it again. That lamp. Who lights the lamp? Who puts on the bush on the lampstand? Good. Now it's not come to you. Now you are the lamp now. Who lights you? Who will therefore put you on the lampstand? Is it you that will fight to put yourself on the lampstand? No, that's the point I'm making. If God gives you his seed, he will give it the flesh. Your duty is to preserve the integrity of the seed. So there are times opportunities will come to throw away the seed. Say no. I said something to your daddy that when I was starting Kingdom of Ministries, I knew something from the beginning. God was very, it was emphatic. The Holy Spirit was emphatic to me in instructions I got in 1993 when I was doing NYSE of how Kingdom would be. People will give you opportunities to drop it and become a big regional pastor of a big denomination. They will even tell some people that it's better to be a part of a big thing than to be the boss of a small thing. I hope you don't believe that nonsense. Many people have sold their best rights. Just by the way, you see as we go on, I tell Christians, be very careful when you are doing a public offering. God will open big businesses for you. Be very careful before you throw away the control for your vision into somebody else's hands. 
Be very careful. Be very careful. It's not every time you, be, you are looking for, for investors. There are times you don't look for investors. Like they say, bootstrap the thing by yourself, bit by Don't be in a hurry. You don't have to blow up overnight. Many times people have sold their better because they want to blow up overnight. Why? They are not protecting their seed. See, even a man like Richard Branson, when Virgin went public those days, that the airline, people are, they were invested in it. But after a while, he realized that I can't function like this. He said, the way I function, this doesn't work. Like now, I have to fire regularly. Tell the security and the state commission what I want to do. I have to tell the board what I want. He said, no, I don't behave like that. Virgin, um, sorry, um, Richard Branson wakes up in the morning, scratches his head, and buys and sells. So I'm not used to accounting to anybody. He refunded all the investors' money. Every, he said, no, I'm tired. The other day, some, I, I read about Michael Dell. I don't know whether he succeeded. He decided to buy Dell shares out of the public domain. He said, because this idea of declaring quarterly profit is not how you do business. That they put him under too much pressure. They are losing, um, uh, what do you call it, market, pre, market um, share and all of that. Because... The, the capital market is so concerned about immediate results. What did you make the last quarter? He said there's long-term planning for goodness sake. We can have a place the company is going. I don't have to declare profit and loss every quarter. So he, Bill Gates, and some banks pulled money together and said, no, we're not trading Dell share, uh, shares again. We are buying everything back and keeping it in-house so that we can make decisions in a reasonable way. People are struggling for, listen, that's another thing as, as a believer. Don't let the world teach you things. What they call prosperity is not what we call prosperity. No, not today I'm talking about we are spiritual people. That's what I'm going to explain. What they call prosperity is not what we call prosperity. Richest man in the world means nothing to us. You hear what I said? I will tell you something that will surprise you. I know many people won't believe it. They think I'm just making out. But my wife knows I'm not joking. I will not exchange what I'm doing now for what Dangote is doing. Even though his own will come with all the money he has. I won't. What he's doing is bad. No, it's not bad. What I'm doing, do you know what I think? I think it's superior. Yeah, that's what I think. And I can prove it to you. I want to prove it to you. Over a hundred years after he's dead, Oswald Chambers is still speaking. And I have lived seven years longer than him right now. Almost. Six years. He died as a young man. He married a wife who wrote down, he took notes. Over, he died in 19, is it 1916 or so? Thereabout. He's still speaking. His complete compilation is 1,700 pages there about. Between 1.5 or 1.7. I'm not very sure. I have it on my device here. You can, look, it's available if you want. Just type it. it it's the, the people who, who publish it, they supply the PDF online free. You can download everything he ever prayed that they could find. Compiled, complete. Over 100 years after. I see myself like Paul. Who wrote ordinary letters to churches he pastored and mentored. And we call it scripture today. Words that I speak. Do you get me? People use it to marry wife. They want to marry. They say, Pastor Banky said, they, they, they married. And not one, not two. I'm telling you. In fact, the way he's nodding, ask him. <laughs> See, the, the way he's nodding, is very, that nod is personal. I'm telling you. I've gotten emails. Not, not one, many. I'm just thinking of them. People who have confessed to me, personally told me, if I one brother said, he quoted what I said that day, I couldn't remember saying. He said, this thing you said is the reason why I'm married to my wife today. You think I want to exchange that because of a billion dollars? All flesh is grass. 2,000 years more than after Paul wrote the things that he wrote. Okay, let's say almost 2,000 years. What do you call them? Call it now? Scripture. 
apart from a book like Ephesians. He wasn't writing scripture. Okay, Ephesians, and I believe he wrote Hebrews, I told you. Most of that one was just talking to people. Thessalonians. It wasn't scripture. We're just writing to the church. Philemon. Please, wrote a note. Take it back to your boss. He will let you back home. Galatians. Anger. What nonsense are you people doing there? Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Towards now is what? Scripture. Sorry I couldn't come to the Corinthians. I didn't want to come because I would get angry. Let me reply the things you said to me in letters. Write to the Corinthians. What do you call it now? Scripture. I think the only place where you just sat down to, to write scripture is Romans, Ephesians, and Hebrews. People are content arguing that I did not write Hebrews. Now, why am I saying all of that? You're talking about the richest man in the world. That's what I'm trying to say. If you ask me, I think I'm richer than Brother Angote. I'm not flying a private jet because there's no way I'm going. My shoes are private. Is it not for use? What I'm wearing is private. It's my own. Hallelujah. What am I trying to say? Listen, stop measuring wealth the way the world does. Each person is doing his or her assignment from God. Do your own well. We're not into competition. When people are into competition, that's when they start getting things wrong. Do what you're supposed to do. God will supply your needs. Your bread will be given to you. Your water will be sure. Don't worry about it. The Lord is good. I'm saying we are doing spiritually. That's, what that's our operation. Spiritual things. So God said, take care of the seed. So he gives people a seed. Protect the seed, not the flesh. He gives the flesh. To each seed, he gives a flesh. It is not the flesh it, no, it's not the seed that gives the flesh by itself. It's God. The God that gave the seed gives the flesh. So he says, you protect the seed as a sign of faithfulness and responsibility. I will make sure that the flesh is taken care of or it grows. I provide it. I talked about Henry Ford, right? I said there are two of them. Mary Kay, the same thing. Mary Kay, funny enough, when, he started, when she started her company, it was not about cosmetics. She was a Marketing executive. She retired and said, the way we do this marketing thing is less than ideal. There is a far better way to do it. So she wrote a book on how to do it. And she was looking for how to publish the book. Then suddenly now, we know it was the Holy Spirit. Said to her, why would anybody read your book? They don't know you. Who are you? The things inside you have not even practiced. How are you sure it works? He said, okay. She's retired. Though. So uh, she, you know, the woman was very funny. She never disclosed her age. And uh, nobody bothered to investigate it enough. He said that a woman that would tell her age would tell anything. That's not true. That's, not, that's worldliness. What do I call it? That's worldliness. All right? We are quoting you. doesn't mean you are right in everything. Okay? <laughs> but she was retired from working. Her children were grown. So out of like, okay, let's just do something. Let me put my own marketing principles into practice. So how do we do that? Let's sell something. So what do we sell? Um, something unique. Something unique. So she approached somebody she knew that had this particular blend for keeping skin young. That's why she started with her time-wise series of keeping people younger. What happened is that there's a particular man who was a leather tanner. So his hand used to put in leather chemicals. We used to tan leather. That is to give it color. So you know that his hand, even though it was growing older, his hand's remained younger than the rest of him. 
You know, his face will wrinkle, hands will be smooth. So he wondered what happened. So he decided it was the chemicals inside there. So now they did a lot of research and were able to isolate the thing. So they now formulated it into uh, like facial treatment issue to make your face look younger. So she bought the rice from the family. The man was gone. She bought the rice from the family and fine-tuned it better and made that the foundation for Mary Kay Cosmetics. Now, the point is this. It was not about cosmetics. It was about marketing. She started marketing and made sure she was true to the principles. At the point in time, she had 2 million women worldwide selling her products. Somebody quoted that she had over a billion dollars in cash at the time, at the point in time. Her company was not public, so we don't know the real value. So when it's richest, richest, you couldn't really place her anywhere. They had to estimate what she was worth. But the woman became exceedingly wealthy. And beyond that, God even gave her money from other sources that most people were not even aware of. They were just thinking about cosmetics, cosmetics. But the point again I'm making is that her idea was not about making money. It was not about selling cosmetics. The cosmetic company was the flesh that was given to the seed. The cosmetics company was the flesh that was given to the seed. What I'm going to explain to you today is that God will give flesh to your seed. As you go on, as you pray, as you meditate, you will discover the seed. What you will do is protect the seed. Many people sell the best right. The seed is the best right. They sell it. Why? Suddenly somebody says, listen, um, hey, how old are you now? Hey, you are 35. Do you know at the age of 28, Mark Zuckerberg was a billionaire? How did he become a billionaire? Facebook went public. And then the man is doing something great. Then suddenly he too decides to go public. In that process, he has taken a lot of investors. He loses the, the power to control. Suddenly, every time he's having to please this person, please that person, please this person, please that person. Of course, it's called buying to Satan. You gain the whole world. So now they say, okay, Nigeria, oh, richest people in Nigeria, stock market, this, and that. They list your name too. They now put you in front of um, Forbes Africa. You'll be smiling like a moron there, you know? <laughs> when you sold your best right, God said, be wise as serpents. I wanted it to be in obscurity. Never love the limelight. As a believer, never love the limelight. If what you are doing can be done in obscurity, do it and leave it like that. Limelight is not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not necessary. Sometimes it's forced upon you. I hope you're getting my point. When it's forced upon you, learn to manage it. But don't seek it. Don't. Don't. If what you are doing can be done and nobody will know you are there doing it, the better for you. If you own a building like this, the, the, the complex like the type we are in now, and people there don't even know who you are. Should they are paying their rent, Rabbi? They're not selling your building more. Can you just relax? Don't go door to door. <laughs> are you the tenants here? Yeah? We are the ones God used to. They, what's your problem? They paid your rent. Go away. <laughs> but sometimes, of course, as a matter of responsibility, the publicity is forced upon you. I'm not saying you must now totally run away. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. But don't seek it. That's the point I'm making. Don't seek it. Many people in seeking search, they've sold their best rights. They have. And God said, protect the seed. Guard the seed. They didn't do that. They sold it. 
you now know they no longer have control. So a few many years after the thing that God started through them, it's, it's no longer recognizable. Ichabod, you'll be surprised. Some of the buildings, institutions in the world today, in America, that push atheism, there is no God. They were started as Bible schools or to educate clergymen. Princeton, Harvard. Go and read their story. I'm not very sure of Harvard. They were, they were, some of them, some of the top American universities were started by churches to educate clergymen. Some of them were Bible schools. You, go and read up the story. I'm not, um, just, I, 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 but check on, check on Princeton, check on Harvard. Just check on a number of them. Just those top, you'll be amazed that some of them, the first thing they had was a Bible school, teaching the word of God. Then they expanded to, the, before they knew what was happening, after taking money from all kinds of Jezebels and Ahab, they drove away the knowledge of God. They are now the citadels through which ungodliness is pushed. That's what happens when you sell your best right. Because of money, you want to build another building. You want to grow bigger. A man puts, and it's in seed words. You must understand, little by little, people are adding this, adding that to you. You don't know you're supposed to guard the seed. So generations later, they look back, and in heaven they say, Ichabod, the glory has departed. The people that are supposed to promote the knowledge of God are now promote, promoting the exact opposite. I remember in a, when I, MIT Journal, I'm not saying MIT is one of them, but you can check all those things out. MIT Journal published an article by Charles Towns, in which Charles Towns just talked, he won a Nobel Prize for Physics 67, 68, thereabout, for the, the work he did in what they call um, microwave um, amplification through stimulated emission of radiation. What you call LISA is light amplification, you understand? That was micro, microwave, what we call MESA, all right? I don't know the details of what they use it for now, but that's from where things like LISA and co began to develop. He said it in that article that the way he got the idea is similar to how prophets get prophecies. He said it was just an epiphany. He was just in a, sitting somewhere. The idea dropped in his mind. He went to, to his colleague and said, I can do this. They said, it's not doable. He said, no, I can do it. Two years later, he did it. A few years later, he got a Nobel Prize for it. He published that thing. What I've told you now is all he said. For it, anyway, John Templeton Foundation gave him a John Templeton Prize. Because John Templeton, just the way Nobel Prize wants to sponsor knowledge and all of that, Templeton's focus is on knowledge Spiritual knowledge. People who are able to research into the spiritual. So that article won him a Templeton Prize. And Templeton Prize gives you more cash than Nobel. But he won a Templeton Prize, maybe he was already an old man that time. He died about uh, three, four years ago. He was 99. And he was still teaching, by the way. Did you hear what I said? He was a professor of physics, was still teaching. At least I still read his lectures, still observed. He, was still, he still had students at the age of 98. So I had his birthday marked. Waiting for when he would turn 100. The man just disappointed. He just died at 19. I felt so bad. <laughs> that was all he published though. Do you know, one of the biggest donors to MIT demanded, he demanded that MIT withdrew that publication. They withdrew that journal, otherwise he'll stop funding the school. If you're a Christian, let me warn you ahead. Tell him to go to hell. Now, go to hell is not just, he will now give us money. No, you are going to lose the funds. But you must not love your life even unto death. So how much more cash? 
without the knowledge of the need to protect the seed, universities founded to, prom- to teach clergymen. Some of them were founded to teach cl- clergymen, their children, other things. Now, they are citadels of atheism. Why? They wouldn't protect the seed. They wouldn't protect the seed. They let every, all kinds of nonsense come inside. And people who don't realize, who don't understand it, they will think that, listen, because they did it, they are now big. God said, you don't know how big you'll have been if you'll have obeyed me. And by the way, who's competing for size? Do you know how many young men, young women you have sent to the grave? You don't know? Do you know what I will have better from that place? Do you know what all the inventions from Harvard and Stanford will have been concentrated in Princeton? You don't know. You know what you have gained. You don't know what you have lost. But God said we are protecting the seed. Now, what am I teaching today? And then we begin to come to an end of today's teaching. It's for us to understand that we are operating spiritual principles. We are not teaching common sense. We are not teaching common knowledge. We are not teaching things that you just analyze by, you know, human mind and it will make sense. We are saying that God will give you a seed. He knows how he would. Look, you must understand that he controls, he rules in the affairs of mankind. And he will build a flesh around that seed. That was what he did for these people. The Lord is good. So we are spiritual beings. So let me get back to... Now, I know you're going to laugh at what, what I'm about to say. That was supposed to be a digression. You know when I said nobody should argue with me? <laughs> so this is my digression that took us here. Now, let's not get back to this message. Don't worry, you'll go home. You'll go home. I actually want to go home too. I'm in a home-going mood. Amen? The Lord is good. <laughs> Now, my message for today, which I want to get back to, is to let, we're still along the same line, all right? See the same thing we are saying. It's to remind us that everything in life is spiritual. I said the other time, remember, when we're talking about chance is not God. You're not going to do things to improve your chances. That's ungodliness. That's idolatry. If somebody says that, look, move to Lagos to improve your chances, that's idolatry. But you can move to Lagos for an assignment. You can move to Lagos, to Lagos for a purpose. If somebody says, leave and go to Lagos, just be roaming the streets. It will be easier to get a job there. You will suck. Oh, God. God will give, oh, God, will make an example of disobedience. Say, children, gather. Come and see how disobedient people suffer. When you get to Lagos, you will lose weight. No, Lagos has this habit of making you lose two things, your shoes and your weight. But you've not gone there before. Listen. <laughs> you know, after my NYC, the Lord moved me to Lagos a long, interesting way. He knew that was the only way I would go there. He found a way to get me there. I got to Lagos. Lagosians are very strange people. You know, I always tell people that they are not in Nigeria. Everything is different. There's Lagos and there's the rest of Nigeria. Even the diseases they have is not the same. What you find in Lut is not what you find in Ibadan, in UCH. And you come to Enugu, we don't even know them. There are diseases that, as a pathologist, I have not seen that I came to Enugu. I used to see it every week in Lagos. It's not the same country. According to that comedian, both of us are in the same country. It does not mean we're under the same climate. <laughs> the guy said, listen, my friend, we are both standing here. It means we're under the same weather. No, no. <laughs> because he was wearing, you know, everything. <laughs> the Lord is good. So when I got to that Lagos, I, I, I was trying to get direction. I remember one day, I went to um, the, the I, mean, I think Army headquarters somewhere on the island. And I served with Nigeria Army. So, 
So one sergeant, and I asked him, I said, no, that what I'm looking for, I have to go to Bonnie Camp. So I said, Bonnie Camp. All right, where is it? So from where he was, he said that it's not far, just across. He said that, uh, can I trek? Because he wanted to tell him that you could either take a bus from here and there, or you can walk, now you're a young man. So I was deceiving myself, two things. I said, because I did an endurance trek in NYSE. I don't know, say soldier and endurance trek of copper, not be the same thing. I was talking to a soldier, number one, and two, in Lagos. So just, okay, you go like this, you go like that. Bros, halfway through, I realized that I had sinned. <laughs> oh boy. I trekked in that Lagos. People just give you directions. Please, I want to go here. Okay, I used to, like, if I want to go to church, I copy address, you know. I'll just ask him, please, how do I get here? Oh, it's not far now. Just go down here. You just go. <laughs> he, and by the way, the Gaussians are very wicked. When it comes to giving direction, they can lie. Oh, you've not noticed before? If you're in Lagos, please, oh, nothing personal, just the truth. Do you know? We tell somebody, please, please, how do I get to Owani? Uh, you say, ah, Owani, it's not far now. Take a care here. Tell you you're going to Nightmare. When you get to Nightmare, stop. Wait for a bo- <laughs> I'm telling you. It's when you get to Oka, you say, please, where's one? Somebody say, this is Oka now. People say, take on that bus. Go back to where you're coming from. So we learned a lesson. Those of us, JJCs in Lagos, we learned a lesson. That if you want direction, you ask three people. And two of them will say exactly the same thing without knowing each other. And that's the right thing. And those guys are just, I don't, I don't know why they used to do like that. Anyway, so that's why you lose weight in Lagos. You will trek. And the second thing you lose is what? Shoe. The same reason. It happened to me. I put leg in water. I felt the water inside my shoe. I brought it out. That was when it had caught on. <laughs> Lagos? People say go to Lagos to increase your chances. God will use it as an example. <laughs> You are not a statistical figure. You are a child of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Your blessings are commanded. Sometimes the commanded blessing can say, come back to Lagos. We need to see here. It's possible. But it's not because of chance. That's what I'm making. We are spiritual people. Last time I said something. Let me just say it again. I recognize this. That... Spiritual things control the physical. And that's why we are spiritual people. Spiritual things control the physical. And there are blessings and there are curses. People say Africans believe in curses too much. We don't believe in it too much. We may believe in it inappropriately. Sometimes something that's not a curse, we assume is a curse. For example, difficulty in life doesn't have to be a curse. It may not be a curse. It may just be that you are going through a phase in life and you have to keep moving so that you get out, you get out of it eventually. I hope you're getting my point. But there are curses. God can say, they will gather, but I will scatter. They will bring it, bring it. I will put it into a pocket with holes. I was watching the pastor E. Adeboy on TV, uh, my wife and I, I think two nights ago. I was just telling the story of his life again. When he first got to Lagos to work as a lecturer in Unilag. And he had a driver so he could move around town. He said by the middle of the month, he'll be borrowing money from his driver. A man, he pays salaries. He said, why? He said, because... You've heard me talk about Agbanon here before. 
teaching a, a particular that concept. He mentioned it. He said he had it in his life. Because all his money used to disappear because of one problem or the other. He said there's no time somebody won't be in hospital. So that his son or his daughter or his himself. So he was always spending money on medicine and medicine and one problem after the other. Until he gave his life to Christ and that one ceased. So there are curses. I've seen people who there's no other explanation for what is happening to them. How do curses manifest? Just bad luck. Everything bad now you go happen to. It, 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 it occurs. It happens. People said Africa needs to discover itself. One of those meaningless cliches, we, we you know, statements we make. Who is Africa? How can it discover itself? How many billions or uh, millions of people are there? Nigeria alone, 200 million. I'm sure we are, we are almost, at least we are at least 800 million people in Africa. And you will discover yourself. You are one person. Now how do you get 800 million people to agree? They don't even speak the same language. In Nigeria alone, we have over 200 languages. We have not even counted Swahili that we don't speak at all. Even the colonial masters left us with about four languages. Have you? French, English, Portuguese. Which other one? There must be German somewhere. <laughs> Good, Belgian. You have Belgian Congo. Everybody speaks all kinds of things. And you want them to discover them, themselves? According to, you know, I think we have this Igbo smoking prophet, not a Christian prophet. You know, so their prophets are not believers. He said, waiting unite for United Nations. <laughs> that guy had some. That guy had a very funny mouth. He said, waiting unite for United Nations. He said, United Nations. Nobody there, Argentina and Britain, because that time the Falkland was. Can you remember Falkland was? He said, what is United there? <laughs> he said, America are not there. USA are not there. So yeah, United. <laughs> In the same manner. Look at this whole country. How can we oh, discover? Are we united in any, in, in any way? Forget that thing. It's a spiritual problem. A curse can say to the whole continent, you will be, you will, he said, a servant of servants it will be. It's a prevailing word hanging over the air. People will not know why they just do things wrong. As a matter of fact. But let me not sit on it. I don't like sitting on it. What I like to sit on all the time is that there is a blessing which is superior to that curse. And if anyone will believe in Christ Jesus, he has walked into that blessing. That's what I'm talking about. This blessing is superior to that curse. Ancestral curses in Christ Jesus, they are broken. They are broken. The curse of, no, you will not live long. In Christ has been broken. The curse of you look for much, it comes to little. In Christ has been broken. The curse of you bring it home, the little you have, and you put into a pocket with holes. In Christ has been broken. Amen. In Christ, the curse of the Edomites in your life has been broken. He said they will gather, but I will scatter. Not in your life. Amen. Say amen for goodness sake. Amen. That's the point I'm not to make. I'm not discussing it. I've, seen, I've been in church before. They say, bring this amount to break the back of poverty. I say, what does that mean? That's no meaning. I say to Christians all the time, we can give. Giving is our nature. Giving is our nature. If you are a giver, give me an amen. amen. If your father in heaven is a giver, give me an amen. amen. If you are like your father in heaven, give me an amen. amen. Say, so be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So we are givers. That's the point I'm making. We are givers. But we don't give to break the back of poverty. 
He said, it is the Lord thy God that is giving you the power to get wealth, that he may fulfill the covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now listen to me. This is the point I want you to understand. People say that covenant means you go and make a covenant with God. No. He said, the one he made with whom? Your fathers. It's not your covenant. Jesus said, I and the children that the Lord has given me, we are for signs and for wonders. That's what he's talking about. That covenant is not with you. That covenant is with Christ Jesus. And it is yours when you enter into him. It's not a covenant you make. It's a covenant that has been made. You hear what I said? It's not a covenant you make. I've seen people say that ah, they are prospering because they gave a keyboard to a church. That is spiritual, that's spiritual madness. People will be sending money to prophets so that they can prosper. You are in bondage. You hear what I said? You are in bondage. If you have to regularly give to a church so you can prosper, you are in bondage. If you have to, listen to what I want to say. I want to say this, please. I mean it. I'm not making a mistake. It's a word of God. If you have to regularly give to God so you can prosper, you are in bondage. I'm not giving to God to prosper. No, 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 no. You know why we give? Because of our nature. Because it is right. Do I eat so I can prosper? No, think about, do I eat so I can prosper? Do I love my wife so I can prosper? Do I give to my children so I can prosper? No, they have a father. And God has given their father the resources to take care of them. What else will I do? I take care of my children because they are my duty. We give because it's our duty. We are like our father in heaven. We are not trying to give so we can prosper. That's why the way we preach tithing is not the word of God. The way most of us preach it. If you don't tithe, God will send a divorce after you. It's not Christian doctrine. I'm not teaching that one now. But just hear it straight. It's not Christian doctrine. If you want to be calculating 10% as a way of sponsoring the gospel, it is good. If you say, no, I have a bigger assignment than 10%. I want to make my own 20. It's better. If you say, no, God has blessed me so much. And he has said what I must do in this life is to make sure that anybody who is preaching the gospel all over Africa and all over South America must not lack. And God is giving me resources. I make a million dollars every two weeks. Therefore, to do this work effectively, I have to give 85%. It is good. It's an assignment. If you decide that, listen, what else am I looking for? I have food. If I'm from my salary alone, I work for a company that I founded with my friends. And I'm the MD. The salary they pay me alone takes care of my feeding, my housing, everything. My children are well taken care of. They can send them on holiday anywhere. At the end of the year, they declare dividends. And I still get some handsome amount. So everything I get at the end of the year, I'm giving out to preach the gospel to the people who are in need, who are in need to develop the environment. You know, people do things like that. Ajilo to now, I was telling you about earlier, telling his story. When he sold his company in the 70s, he gave everything out to preaching the gospel. The world thought it was crazy. The story is still there. That newspaper reported it. This man, which kind of human being? I think he sold the company that time for maybe, I think a hundred million dollars. The man said, I don't need the money. He gave everything out. Somebody say this giving is good. Yes. Say, I am a giver. I am a giver. But we are not doing this so we can prosper. This Kalo Kalo is not the word of God. Though. Say, the more you give, the more you will prosper. Huh? 
not the gospel. No. We are not getting up to say, okay, calculate, you know, this fearful thing. Listen, if I like, I eat my money. If I eat, say, God is pleased. Because with eating, I swallow, I say, praise God. God enjoys that praise. I, I, I know how to give God thanks. So. When I drink water, I see that a few days ago. I see, look at the water I taste. I say, Father, thank you. Don't laugh when I'm about to tell you. The time I go to the toilet, I tell my wife, that was the will of God. I'll rub my stomach. I say, Father, I thank you. I thank you. So if I eat all my money, God is getting a complete thank you. Okay, then. I give to God. If I don't give to God, I give to people. I give to the work of preaching. Where is God to give to? This give to God to me, I don't understand it. Let me tell you who I give to. You want to know. Honor your father and your mother. I give in that direction. The gospel has to be preached. I give in that direction. I hope you are getting my point. The poor you have with you always. I give in that direction. Imagine it comes up here and there. I give in that direction. We just keep giving. I can't remember throwing anything. God, this is your portion. What am I trying to say? There's a love for these people and for these things that is given to God. We are not worshipping an idol here. I hear funny things like, this is the house of God. It's a lie. There is no church that is a house of God. You know what's the house of God? The gathering of believers. So, if I get to a church and they're having ideas that this is the house of God, it should be gold-plated, I won't give them shishi. That's me. I've been to places like that before. People will come up with ideas. I said, this idea is stupid. You can't come and terrorize me that is the work of God. You think I don't have a brain? I think. I know the work of God when I see it. I, I know. People want to just use name, church, to paint everything. I want to terrorize me. I don't worship an idol. I worship a living God. You know what that means? If you say, we are going to evangelism to the University of Nigeria. If you cost this amount to do this and this, I can see it. I give you money. This is our church. We need to roof it so that we will not be... You understand what I'm saying? We, the other day, there was a particular church. We know we got involved in some things. Me and some of our brethren were just talking. So I told our brother in charge, I said, listen. They said, I said, what's their greatest problem? They said that when they meet, when it's raining, the rain will be too bad. The noise is too much. Me and the people involved, I said, okay, let's agree on something. How do we solve that? Do we seal the building or we get public address system? They reasoned and said, no, public address is better. So we gathered money again and bought it. There was nothing in the house of God. No, the people of God can't hear themselves during the service. I don't know whether you are getting my point. There was nothing in the house of God, house of God, house of God. It is the house of the people of God. Do you get my point? Sometimes people would now say, ah, they didn't pay their house rent. So they can buy marble for church. And I say, is your head working? Is your head working? I want to know whether your brain is working. You want to change your puppy to marble and you won't pay your house rent and you think God shouldn't send you to hellfire? You are a stupid creature. Something is wrong with you. I won't sacrifice my children's school fees for a non-essential. 
But if we came one day, rainy season, boom, storm, remove the whole roof. Then we'll start doing all kinds of sacrifices. We'll sell our shoes. I will look and say, come on, I don't need these two cars. I have to. Pastor, please, let's find a buyer. Because from now till we fix the roof, there will be nowhere to sit. It's rainy season. Are you getting my point? I can prioritize. I can see that my having a second car is not as important as 500 people gathering comfortably when they meet three, four times a week. But if we are all gathering comfortably, there's no, no blown roof. If you now say that, oh, please, praise God. We just realized that this our mahogany is not what befitting us right now. We need to have a shiny glass. I will give you from change. When God gives me stupid money, I will give you from it. But I will not go into my essential to buy your stupid pulpit. Like, like, I won't. I won't. I'm being honest with you. So there was one microphone I saw when you are talking. It will be glowing. It's not a problem. <laughs> but I will not give you essential money for that. You know, there are times you have money. Just, your money just comes. You need 10,000. God sends 25. And that 15, we share it now. As I'm going to buy expensive ice cream, I'll give you part of it to buy your expensive microphone. Luxury is not a sin. Once you can afford it. I hope you get my point. Luxury is not a sin once you can afford it. What myself things I'm saying? Now, I'm going to bring out something here. So don't think you are giving so you can prosper. The cross is broken in Christ Jesus. It's not because of your offering. The cross is broken in Christ Jesus. And if you have faith in Christ Jesus, listen, there is no ancestral curse that will say you should be a down. None. It can't work. So I would say, you know, in our family, my great-grandfather was poor. As if he's unique. Okay, but let's just assume your own is unique. My grandfather was poor. Okay, as if he's unique. Let's assume it is unique. My father too. I, have you heard this thing before? Near success syndrome. You know, it makes me laugh. You know what makes me laugh? It's a normal thing in life. People will now come and sit down. One man sat me down one day. He thinks he has near success. I was looking at him. Okay, you don't look like you want to do anything. What are you finished telling me the near success syndrome he's been having? I said, even if I were God, I ain't giving him nothing. He, has never, he couldn't tell me what he tried to output into anybody's life. You know, people, I've met people like that before. They're always looking for big things. Always looking for big things. But but boy is not working. He has no job. He has no business experience, nothing. He's bidding for a contract of 75 million naira. He has not done the one of 750. He's bidding 75 million. And you're looking at him, and he says, you know, my friend was the deputy governor. And he was trying to gift it to me, get it for me. Just before he got it, something went wrong. And in your mind, you are telling him that, Ross, that was not the date went wrong. Have you ever seen jobless people telling you before that they have near exorcism syndrome? Tell him, go and wash three cars in the day. Let's see whether you have near, I can't wash it syndrome. There was one man I met once. He, he used to speak in tongues. Read the Bible. When it's praying like this, all kinds of tongues. But was always poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> so one day I asked my relative who used to hang around. I said, please, why don't you help this guy get a job? He's not a small boy. You know, you know what she said? I've tried. That he said that a job does not pay big money. 
They say, you know, that if you have to work now, you'll be any salary to be small, small. But what is going out for now? When it comes, the money will be plenty. The Bible says the hand of the Lord is not short, short that he cannot deliver. <laughs> God said, Banky, say you see now. You've been wondering why your brother has been praying in tongues and reading the Bible. I've not done anything for him. Have you seen? Listen to me. People are well, let me just drop it. The first thing we must look for is the opportunity to prove faithful. To be a blessing to people, not to get plenty of money. Till I saw him last, he was as broke as before. Then one day that my relative used to hang around. And I said, ah, people have, no. I said, you're not seeing this guy in a while. They said they've gone to look for him. You know, they not sent people to go and look because they were worried. Where they found him, the man looking for big money. I'm sorry, no insults. People can be broke. But the man looking for big money was living in a bachelor. You know what they call a bachelor? Wood knocked together, iron sheet and all of that. And you're looking for big money. Those who are living in small apartments, little flats, they don't have the big money. They earn a regular salary. And they hung around enough people that could connect him with jobs. He said, no, that when that big money comes, it will be big. So when they said, why are we not being seeing you? He said, I discovered that that person was not helping him. How can they help you get big money? The kind of money you are looking for, they don't know how to help people get it. A lot of people say that they have near success and I've seen it too. They, are, they don't want to do anything. They feel at like their age, they should, they should be driving this kind of car. They don't drive car by age, they drive it by money. After all, <laughs> it's true now. <laughs> I mean, the small girl, our brother bought Ferrari for, are they old? <laughs> are they old? The papa can go carry cash by him. They only take age by, by motor. No, they don't use age. It's cash. Say, so at this my age, there's nothing about this your age. Nothing about, nothing special. There are people older than you that are poorer than you. <laughs> so, what are they A lot of people claim they are cursed. They're not cursed. They say the Christians. Just get up and be responsible. They don't want to get up and be responsible. They say they are cursed. They say they are near success. And it doesn't come to them. Because even if I gave it to you, it will crush you. You don't understand that glory kills it's heavy. Please, what's my message? There is no cost in our lives. Let's establish that. Number two point, geography cannot limit your prosperity. I must sit down before I leave. Geography cannot limit your prosperity. Let me say one more time. Geography cannot limit your prosperity. The most important thing about geography for you is the location of God. That's it. Just pray and let God locate you where you are supposed to be. That's all you need. Maybe we'll develop that another time, but let me just establish that. Because those are the two things that people, do. Christians, I'm preaching to Christians. People have been redeemed by the Lord. They have been redeemed by God. They should understand that there's no ancestral curse in your life. Oh, there's another part I, I, want, I, I forgot to add. No witch. No witch. Because this is Africa, you know? This is the part of the, my message I don't like preaching. Because people are watching you from other parts of the world. They say, what's a witch? <laughs> oh, you both bros, we don't have more witches than you too. Just our brethren here give them more credit than is required. Are there witches? Of course. 
Do they hate you? Most certainly. They probably hate me more than they hate you anyway. Because you know they cause the utility they fear. And they swear for them daily. What did they feed you? There are witches, yes. Did people cast spells against people? Most certainly. You know the other day, remember I told you the story of witches invitation by Carmen? Yes. I went to do a bit of research. I think it's a true story, but it didn't happen to him. It happened to another man. I know the man's name. It just escaped me now. All right? It happened to, I think, a friend of his or a pastor anyway. It really happened. And this was in America. And the man said, I'm a male witch, a warlock. And he described things he had done. I killed this man through druid worship. I was paid to cross this man with eight by his aunt. And he was telling them things that he had done. How he can use dark powers to make people rich. And by the way, people use dark powers to make people rich till today. And it's not an African thing. They do it all over the world. Some of the big people you are seeing, white, yellow, black, purple, green, they bowed to strange spirits. And the spirits have made them rich. I remember one, one um, man, I heard his testimony. It's from, it's from Sokoto. You know, when he gave his life to Christ. He said when he was coming from school, he saw a woman carrying a baby on the back. He looked, her legs were goat legs. And the woman talked to him. Let me not give details of what they discussed. He ran and ran home to go and tell his father. Very wealthy man. Very wealthy. And what the father did, the father went and took a goat to sacrifice to thank the gods for revealing themselves to his son. He was given this in an open air no camp meeting. He was a believer. A house man, no full animal, you know. Called from Sokoto. So the father said, that is the source of our wealth. That you've, they've revealed themselves to you. And he was so grateful. This happened to him when he was in primary school. He was coming from school. When the woman stopped him on the road. And he looked. This is not a human being. Listen, if I talk the way I talk, don't think I don't know spiritualities at all. I know. It's just that I always put it in perspective. We have to compare it to what we are in Christ Jesus. Whatever Satan can do for a man, Jesus can double do if he wants to. So spiritual things are real. But this is the point I want to make. A witch can't stop your business from moving. You hear what I said? They can't. Ten of them can't. Satan doesn't have the power. What he's looking for every day is how to ruin you through accusations. He said to himself, in the Bible, you have surrounded Job with a hedge roundabout. And he was a businessman. I hope you know Job was not a preacher. He was a businessman. He was a businessman. I used to wonder, what is 500 uh, donkeys? That was transportation. He had, that's luxury boss of his days. So I had a transportation company. Camels. What do you think camels are doing? It wasn't food. They were not eating camels. They were beasts of burden. Donkey was not their food. They ate goats and, you know, and sheep, mostly. So what's donkey? What's camels? That was his transportation business. He was a merchant. That was all moved goods from one place to the other for Job. And God kept all his buses, all his trains, all his ships, now using modern day, you know, technologies now, and kept them from trouble until that temptation came. All the while, Satan noticed it and could do nothing. What am I going to say? Witches are not the reasons why Christians are down. Let's get that one straight. Let me say this one and I close. I'm watching time closely. When Christians want to walk, they, miss, they cause people to do wrong. When blessings work also, you know what they do? They cause you to do right. 
You do right in two ways. One, that which is pleasing to God and that which is structurally correct. Now, when I say structurally, please understand, I'm not talking about construction of a building. I'm talking about construction of life. There are things that God said must be done as normal righteousness. What I mean by normal righteousness is this. For example, okay, I have one that crosses both, that, that strikes both sides. A just weight is important to God. There's a curse of God. God personally places a curse upon the house of a merchant who uses unjust weights. That one strikes both sides. One, you do it as pleasing to God. And two, it's also the proper thing to do for business. Another one, which is more on the proper thing, what I call structurally correct. Accounting, just as an example. One of the things you find that people don't... Now, if you were not here during our last business by the Spirit meeting, which we hope to have another one for the years over, all right? Business by the Spirit. Get the messages. Because it was a seminar. We talked a lot, all right? I preached a bit, but my wife spoke twice. That man... Okay, his head is looking at something. All right. He taught on proper thing, way to do your account. You know? They did different things. One of the things my wife talked about was accounting. From, from Proverbs chapter... Is it 23, 27? Know the condition of your flock. Many people don't know the condition of their flock. They mix personal money with business money, making it difficult to be accountable. They sell 5 million naira, you know, they have turnover of 5 million naira in a month, and they go and buy a car for 2.5. Not knowing that 5 million naira includes the cost of the supplier, the cost of staff, includes rent, power, tax, and all kinds of things. The profit on this probably more than 300,000. If you do your, if you do accounting properly, they start wondering where, how is mother-in-law, you know, a grandmother in the village is a witch when it's not do proper accounting. And that was the reason why Jesus said the poor have the gospel preached to them. He ha- you have to explain these things that they can now walk with God and be pulled out of material poverty. Listen to me at the end of this. Anybody following these teachings? For, there are many people, I'm, I'm convinced of this. They are on the edge of a sudden breakthrough. This is something will happen to you suddenly. But it's not sudden. It's actually been going on for five years. It's been going on for ten years. God just says it's a time for Isaac to be born. Do you know Isaac was not incubated for nine months? Isaac was incubated for 25 years. But the day came, Isaac was born. And for many people listening to me, both physically here and online, Isaac in your life is going to be born next year. That is, this is 2020. We're in September. <laughs> in a year's time, you will look back, your mouth will open. You did businesses before, you were turning over 100,000, 200,000, and it was a good month for you. There were people from there, next year they are doing 50, 100 million. See, you can say me if you like. This will happen. Yeah. I've learned enough in life eh, to know God can just, you have to do like this. Angel, give that guy money. <laughs> Angel will come and say, how much, sir? Say, make it small, small. Spread over eight months, but increase his turnover by 20-fold. And make his profit go up by 100-fold. Why? Because he's been so prudent and disciplined. On that 20-fold increase in turnover, his profit will go up by 100. At the end of the day, you look back. You know, Mary Kay says something. Let me just say, add it to it, then I close. The day her money started rolling in at $100,000 a month, not from Mary Kay Cosmetics. She invested money in the business. And her son called her and said, why is it that anything you touch turns to gold? What happened? She invested in something some time ago. Then that day, she needed $100,000 to give to their children's church. And she said, I'll go to a bank to go and borrow it. 
And before she could call the bank people, her son called her. Said, you have over $100,000 coming for you in the first month. She said, by the time she was going to give the money she wanted to give, she said, she went trembling. That she wasn't pride, it was humility. God just showed her like Nebuchadnezzar. It was not medicate cosmetics is great that you build the strength of your might. No, I was one that made you wealthy. And God showed it for her. She got, she got money she did not expect. And it says in the first month. Next month, another is coming. Maybe the further down to be 500,000, we don't know. Listen, God is going to make somebody rich. Amen. But we'll talk, about, we'll talk more about the spiritual aspect. For us to understand God's purpose and what he calls prosperity. The Lord is good. Let me stop here because of time. I have so many more things to say. But let's, let's end it here. What have we said today? You are not under a curse. A witch is not responsible for your business failure. Say amen. amen. Maybe not for yourself, but for somebody else there. You are a Christian. You are not under a curse. Amen. Ancestral curses have been broken. Amen. If there's anything wrong, we are going to correct it. It's the work of your hands. There are things you have not done right. There are things you need to correct. And as we are teaching, those things will be corrected. And when the Lord will turn again the captivity of your Zion, you will think you are dreaming. Your mouth will be filled with laughter. Bow, the, bow your heads and begin to give Lord thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you for freedom in Christ Jesus. Just give the Lord thanks.